Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. For today's episode, I will be handing it off to Madalena Carstia, Head of Global Sales, Brand, and Marketing Intelligence at GFK, and Gonzalo Garcia Villanueva, Global CMO of GFK. They are discussing some of the freshest insights on how you can maintain and build your premium brand and how you can grow and defend your shares. The insights they're sharing with you today is based off of an extensive piece of research that we've been running for the past couple of years here at GFK that involves talking to more than 30,000 consumers and looking at real sales data to tell you what really drives that premium and what overall drives the strength of a brand. I hope you enjoy this episode and please make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform to hear new insights every week. Brand has always been important uh, for the marketing function, of course, but as you'll see later from the research, you know, it's it's probably one of the top priorities and more important than ever. Um, It was always a a tough exercise to secure, you know, more funding and marketing and specifically on more strategic brand investments. But I think, you know, as, as we have seen from previous crises, that brand is, is a key factor to come out on top of these crises that give resilience to our profit and so on. I think, you know, companies realize that investing on brands is, is crucial. And, and, and now you can measure much better than ever. No, absolutely. And we're seeing this role that the brands play and the premium segment play within this economic growth uh, that we're all reading about now. We're seeing, as with any other crisis before, we're seeing the economy strongly bouncing back. It's taking us four quarters to go back to the pre-pandemic highs, but we're there after an almost 10% drop in the second quarter of last year. Now, this economic growth is mainly driven by China and the US. They're both really overperforming, but it's also driven by the global rise in the consumer spending. So we're seeing the consumer spending growing by roughly 5% this year, and then almost as much uh, projected to grow within the year to come. Of course, um, the consumer spending is different from market to market. And again, we're seeing APAC and the US strongly moving forward, whereas Europe and LATAM is slightly lagging behind. Now, let's have a look at the markets that really interest us, and that's the consumer goods market. Within technical consumer goods, we see a very strong bounce back. That's really a V-shaped recovery. And we're seeing the growth within Q1 this year as much as one third. So basically, the products are flying off the shelves. Now, if we're looking at the FMCG market, we're seeing a slightly different picture here because within this quarter, the global market is going slightly down by roughly 3.5%. Now, that happens because Last year was such an atypical year, and within the first quarter, what we were seeing is this panic buying from consumers, which really pushed the sales up by as much as 8%. So even though we're seeing a small decline within this first quarter, actually, we are above 2019. 
also, the really positive news is that the FMCG market is actually projected to grow this year by roughly 2%. It's probably worth highlighting that, as you mentioned before, that kind of growth is different in you know, tech and durables versus FMCG and different from one market to the other. But I think it's worth mentioning that even though, yes, it's great news, um, uh, the recovery is coming aggressively, uh, but it's not, it's not going to be equal to all brands. Um, you know, brands that make the right moves and the right investments are going to benefit much more from that rebound than others. Absolutely. And I think also, Gonzalo, the, the brand that can really build that premium, uh, because what we're seeing here is how fast the premium segment is growing compared to the non-premium within the technical consumer goods market. And what we see is that premium brands are actually growing much faster at a global level. So it's really the bigger and more premium brands that take the cake within this recovery. And it's interesting to see that the strongest growth of premium happens in APAC. It's above 60%. And then in LATAM at around 40%. Of course, within EMEA and especially the European markets, that growth of the premium is slightly lower. But that's explainable through the fact that there was a higher share of premium within these markets to start with. But overall, the brands that will take the cake are indeed the ones who really, really nurture their brands and can build that premium. Now, moving on to the share that the revenue premium has within the global sales, but also specific markets for the technical consumer goods. This measure, the revenue premium, is showing us the premium people will pay over a similar product. It's really the brand's premium contribution to sales. And this is at 30% over you know, all the markets, but in some of the markets can really go as high as 40%. And there's no surprise that most of the markets with a really high revenue premium are countries, developed countries from Western Europe. So we see Germany there, we see France, we see Italy. But interestingly, China also has a really strong revenue premium of 37%. That's really high. Russia is following just after that. Of course, not all countries have this really high appetite for premium and consumers who are willing to spend for that premium. But where we see countries lagging behind is countries where we already know the economic situation can be rather challenging. So it's mainly the Southeast Asia markets, India, and countries in LATAM like Colombia and Argentina, for example. Now, let's have a look at the FMCG market and what happens there in terms of a premium. And what's interesting to see is that the global growth of the premium segment within the FMCG market for 2020 compared to 2019 has been flat. But we're seeing a very positive trend within the Q1 of this year, where we see in most of the European countries a tendency to uptrade to more premium products. Now, the premium market did grow in Europe over the past 10 years, and it has grown steadily. But an interesting trend that we've seen is that the number of premium brands also grew. The number of premium brands grew by 21%. And what does that mean for the established premium brands within the market? It actually means that they need to do an even bigger effort of maintaining, defending their shares and maintaining and defending their premium. Because while the overall premium market grew, the average share 
for each premium brand is actually declining. I would like to uh, talk to you, Gonzalo, about the latest piece of research that we've run uh, within um, with the top 100 companies um, over the uh, past few months to really understand what are their strategic priorities. And I know you've been um, highly involved within this piece of research as well. We've talked to executives, we've talked to marketing directors, we've talked to sales directors to really understand what keeps executives up at night. This was a very interesting piece of work um, indeed, you know, talking to peers and decision makers, as you say, and, and, and marketing directors and leaders across top 100 organizations. And unsurprisingly, as you look at the data we, we, we just heard about, brand came second as one of the top five uh, priorities and areas of focus during the crisis. Um, you know, companies uh, are investing heavily on, on their brands to ensure that they're coming out on top. Um, other areas that are interesting here, for instance, e-commerce, um, is an area that has been growing over the years, but obviously um, the investment on online channels has rocketed through COVID, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, forecasting and forecasting accuracy has become critical, so you can see it on top five, um, you know, as obviously um, delivery, remote delivery and, and, and improving supply chains, making sure that it's very cost efficient and agile has been a key area of focus for these leaders and, and, and obviously growth being in top three is not a surprise. But I, I, I would like to highlight that, yes, as we said, you know, obviously brand and investing in brand premium has been critical. The other aspect that is really understanding the market that you can see as a top four, and we're gonna talk at length now, but companies understand that they need to, under, to, to really dig deeper into consumer behavior, how that's changed over COVID, over COVID um, so that actually they can adapt. And it's really promising, Gonzalo, that we see market understanding being among the top priorities because the reality is that the world is changing. It has actually tremendously changed. And the COVID crisis was, you know, just something that made the change happen faster, only accelerated the changes that were already taking place. And for example, let's, let's take digital, right? And the, the role that digital has to play within people's lives, but also within their shopping behaviors. We've learned last year that three quarters of people actually shopped online. That's huge. These are global numbers from our Global Future by Survey. We also know that 50% of them think that social media networks are important when it comes to their shopping decisions. And we also know that more than a third of them search for reviews online before they decide to buy a product. What that actually means for brands is that they need to do a really good job at interacting with consumers through the digital channels in a really positive way. But it also means that there's a little bit of danger there because what digital does is actually lowering the entering barrier for other brands, right? And potentially other premium brands that can then um, um, take away from your shares. Another important change that is happening is that consumers now want far more from their brands than before. Over 70% of people say that experiences for them are more important than things or buying stuff. Also, over 60% of people would buy a brand because it supports a cause that they believe in or because it resonates with their values. 
That's a really dramatic shift over, I think, just a few years where brands really have to up their game in terms of how do they communicate to, to, to their consumers and how they're going above, you know, just the basic products. So clearly uh, the way that our consumers buy has fundamentally changed, as you heard, uh, but also means that for brand leaders, it fundamentally changes the way that they need to, to um, capture that information. Um, technology and data solutions that we use uh, on a daily basis now need to pick up on those consumer behaviors, the changes and how they are buying um, this day and age. And, and that is crucial for the success of brands. Um, I guess the good news is that you know, some brands that we work with have got this right um, and, and not only are using the right data and technology to understand the customer behavior, but they are then using that to invest on brand premium successfully. Um, back in the day, of course, you know, we, we saw Apple uh, turning the mobile um, business, which had become a bit more commoditized into a premium market with the iPhone, of course, uh, but nowadays, um, you see brands like Dyson, for example, doing the same with vacuum cleaners. You know, not only that, you know, uh, ultra high quality uh, of the products and premium communications has managed to put them in that spot, but actually is driven more than 40% of the revenues coming from that premium segment and put them on top of the market share of some of the key markets. So, you know, well, well done to Dyson in that sense. And they are trying to do the same thing now with hair dryers and other product lines. Even, you know, for other companies that have, you know, achieved some brand premium successfully previously and they're at a different stage of the curve, you know, Nespresso comes to mind where, you know, a few years ago they, they um, became the premium uh, uh, coffee pods in, a, again, a market that was becoming very commoditized. And now it's more, it's more for them about how to protect that position. And I think it's very interesting the way they do it you know, by focusing on the customer experience and, and, and positioning their brand as a lifestyle brand, which has managed to protect their sales and their, and their, and their, and their market share. I think that's a key point that you're making, Gonzalo, here, that companies need a new approach. They need better data. They need faster data. They need better frameworks to work with so that they can take better care of their brands. One thing that needs to change first is acknowledging that brands drive value for their companies in different ways. Not all brands aim for high premium. Some brands actually aim for high volumes. And it's really important that each brand first understands where they sit in the eyes of the consumers and then drive actions forward aligned with their strategies, whether that is growing through premium growing through volumes or the brand choice or growing through both. And the first step that we've taken in really understanding how each of the brands are, you know, uh, defining their strategies and driving their, their strategy forward is to really segment the market, the brands, based on these two dimensions, the role that premium plays within how they drive sales and the role that choice or volumes play within how they drive sales. You would think, if a brand is small, then that's simply because it's undeveloped. But the reality is that this can be a really targeted strategy from someone like a retailer, for example. They have a private label brand. Of course, the volumes will be limited because there's not much distribution there. But they also want to have a really low price to eat from the share of the mainstream brands. 
The smaller brands, they account for 50 or 60% of the brands out there on average, but they only bring in, I think, roughly 10% of the revenue. So it's not an ideal positioning unless, again, you're, you're just growing, just developing, or you are a private label brand. Now, if the mainstream brands, these are brands with a mass high appeal that target the core functional needs of consumers, and especially of those consumers who are more price sensitive. Now, the mainstream brands account for roughly 20%, 30% of brands, and they bring in 30 or 40% of the revenue. Now, moving on to the next segment, that is the power brands. And that's uh, for many brands, the ideal positioning, because these are the brands which, despite claiming a high premium, they also manage to maintain a high appeal. They only represent about 10% of the brands, but they bring in 30 to 40% of the revenue. And then the final segment is the exclusive brands. And these are really the brands that appeal to a niche audience and who can deliver a superior customer experience or a superior product quality or innovation. They're really the ones that have the arguments to really claim exclusivity. Because the brands drive value for their companies in different ways, it's really important then that we make the distinction between what drives the overall strength of the brand and what drives the premium. Looking at what only drives the overall strength of the brand is the old way of looking at brands. We've done it also, and yeah, that, that has been the norm until recently. We, of course, see differentiation playing a really significant role within brand premium, but not as much within brand strength. Superior quality plays a great role there. But what's really new and surprising to some extent is the role that the endorsement from celebrities and from influencers and from experts play on the brand premium. This is something new and this also shows the role that the social media networks play within the lives of consumers today. But it's not only that, it's also the fact that premium brands borrow credibility from these experts and from these influencers. Now, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening at the bottom as well, because drivers that used to be really strong in the past, such as meeting needs, uh, affordable prices, often on promotion, long-lasting products, and even trust, they account for very little in driving the premium. And interestingly enough, they're not very strong in driving brand strength either. And Gonzalo, we talked about this yesterday, right? It's really interesting to see how something that was as strong years ago as meeting needs and trust now comes so low on the list. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, this is one of the charts that make one feel a bit older because certainly things like meeting needs is of use you know, were rated much higher, you know, 20 plus years ago when I started, you know, uh, managing marketing programs. And, and certainly now, as you say, you know, things like, you know, value are in the very top of the, of the scale. So I think, you know, kind of like a big learning for me and my teams um, normally is the, is, the, is the need to have a finger in the pulse of this uh, stack, be very clear about, you know, the priorities for our consumers because they differ slightly, you know, from one region to another. And, and based on that, pull the right levers as you're managing your brand successfully. Absolutely. And now let's also have a look at what drives choice versus what drives premium. And I know that we have it in the audience today, um, companies that 
look to drive their value to premium, but we also have companies that drive their value to choice. So we really want to offer the best guidance that we can for both. And with the brand premium drivers, as we've seen on the other slide, things are pretty clear. It's values that matter, it's the superior quality, it's the endorsement from celebrities and from influencers and from experts. But it's also the brand attachment, the brand attachment that is important for the brand choice as well. And I'm going to share more about the brand attachment and what that actually is within the next minutes. But when looking at brand choice in distinction to brand premium, we see that it's really about meeting the basics, covering the basics really well. And that's about meeting the functional needs or in the basic needs of consumers. That's really about good quality, again, not superior quality, but good enough quality, and that's about the trust. So, it, and it's also about the prices, of course, affordable products and, and products on promotion. What that means for brands that grow to volumes is that if you don't have your basics covered right, then the money shouldn't be going to, you know, sophisticated campaigns or values and purpose and, you know, getting those messages across to consumers because this is not what consumers care about first, at least not within this segment of buyers. You should really be focusing on covering the basics and only then one can talk about really delighting consumers and getting values across to consumers. Now, I mentioned brand attachment, and this is actually a, an essential driver, an essential driver for both premium and for brand choice. But what is brand attachment? Brand attachment is really the brand's ability to answer three fundamental needs of consumers. One is the self-connection, that the brand reflects who I am, speaks about who I am, resonates with me. The second one is gratification, whether I enjoy using the brand and whether I enjoy using its products. And the third one is the self-projection, which is, does this brand help me project to other people who I want to be? Say something to other people about who I want to be. And now let us close on the drivers with what I think is the most buzzword um, throughout 2020 and even this year, which is purpose, values and purpose, and the role these play within driving a premium. Now, let us first see what purpose really is, right? Really, purpose is the higher goal for which a company exists, a higher reason for being apart from making a profit. Now, the challenge with this is that this is a very strategic topic, and also, this can be very difficult to articulate and also it can be difficult to get across to consumers. It's difficult to get it across in the product, in the packaging, in the advertising campaigns that you do. That's why the element that people resonate with most is the values because this is what is coming across. This is what they can actually see and understand from your brand. A quick comment from me would be that, you know, the the purpose, of course, is extremely important. You know, as you mentioned before, connect, you know, um, the, the goals of the company beyond just making money with, you know, a greater good, right? And a greater, uh, higher goal, right? Very important, very 360. It's important to keep companies on track so they are sticking to a long-term journey, right? So, so it's something that 
from a marketing perspective, you know, we use it with our stakeholders, with our C-suite, uh, with our clients, with our shareholders, with our consumers. But it is really the values that connect with the consumers. Is it, you know, if you ask consumers, they will relate to it and will remember values much better. And certainly, as as you were saying, is is as you can see, driving choice and, and and premium. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And the more we go to markets where people don't have as much spending power, or where we go to segments where people actually are more price conscious, that's even more difficult for those people to really grasp purpose and to resonate with that. And I think even to trust brands, right, um, against the purpose that they declare. So that's why we see what we see here on the slide that purpose matters less than values for driving premium, but it's even mattering less when it comes to driving choice, right? It's almost exclusively the values who are driving the choice forward. The main takeaway for brands from this is that they really need to understand their target consumers because what consumers resonate with is the values that matter to them, social causes that are important to them. We have a statement here that speaks about sustainability and you know, responsibility and the environment. The reality is that individual topics don't matter as much to consumers because each target group cares strongly about something. There are consumer segments that care deeply about sustainability. There are consumer segments that care deeply about social equity. It's really about understanding what your consumers want from your brand and supporting that particular causes. So this is what we wanted to share with you today about what drives premium, what drives brand choice, and what drives the overall strength of the brand. But before we go, I want to leave you with just five key points as the main takeaway for our session. The world is really changing and it's changing fast. And interestingly enough, it's the bigger and premium brands that take the cake. Another thing is that brands really drive value for their companies in different ways, either through premium or through volumes. And we need to understand what are the drivers that drive your brand and that help your particular strategy. We've also learned that the product is extremely important, especially the quality, but so are brand values, which is a entirely new driver in driving the strength of your brand and the premium and is now the most important driver in increasing the premium for your brand. Yeah, it's an exciting time to be involved in driving brands, uh, um, whether you're a brand leader or, or one of the other teams. But uh, certainly the tools that you use uh, you know, these day and age have changed and they're much more sophisticated and, and successful brands like we mentioned today. They, they are supported by you know, frequent high quality data delivered with technology that really meets the needs. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on the latest insights. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.